Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Scored a touchdown earlier in a direct snap. Now it's Michelle's turn running all the way. Gets to the edge. Sonny Michelle will send the Dogs home to the championship game. 53 and a half yard drive near hash. Kick right. Snap. Hold. Kick is away. It's reaching. And it is good. 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 Hot pot does it. All right. Hot pot. Dots with an up and out. Wide open. Touchdown. Israel Troop. All right. Welcome in. It is a solo mission, a one-man band edition of the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Also, uh, you can see us on Brinks TV uh, right here on our YouTube channel, Believe in Dogs. Uh, follow all of us on social media at Believe in Dogs, all platforms. You could follow Israel, who is on daddy duty tonight uh, at Troopstar28. Let him know. Check on him. Uh, make sure that... Uh, Things aren't getting too uh, too south for him. So you can follow me at Coach Burton thirty six on Twitter. You can follow me also on Instagram at Burton dot So I uh, got an exciting show. I uh, got a lot to talk. Got a lot to, still to talk about. Recruiting is is hot as ever uh, since the dead period was lifted at the beginning of this month. This month is now wrapped up. There's been some decommitments, some recommitments, uh, and everything in between. So we'll kind of get you some some updates on that. Uh, the David Pollock Charity Golf Tournament happened yesterday. There was some news and some information that was shared uh, with that uh, through our friends over at UGASports.com. So we'll be getting into that a little bit. Um, also, we're going to start our opponent previews, scouting the opponent. Uh, we're going to get into uh, UAB, the University of Alabama at Birmingham. That is the game that is taking place on September 11th. So, uh, as a solo mission, we are still brought to you by, we are still presented by betonline.ag. It is the one stop shop if you are wanting to make bets on just about anything. See, I watched the Hawks last night. Uh, I'm, I'm starting to get more into the NBA. I guess it helps that the Hawks are actually pretty good. Uh, they tied the series last night. Um, if you weren't watching, they tied the series with the Bucks. They were all but dead. Trey Young is out. And the rest of the team just had a tremendous, tremendous game. But the month of June is actually over. So July is going to be heating up with ton, tons of exciting sport sports action. Bet online is where you can find it. Uh, the basketball, the NBA finals, 
the the Stanley Cup finals are going on right now between the Canadiens and the Tampa Bay Lightning. So the Lightning looking to, I think, go back-to-back on Stanley Cup championships. Um, I'll have to get back to you on that one. I'm not the hockey expert uh, as much, at least as much as football. So, uh, But the hockey finals, the Stanley Cup finals are always exciting nonetheless. Uh, so you got from basketball to hockey playoffs to baseball's marquee matchups, including prop bets and futures, I bet – you can make a prop bet on whether or not they frisk the pitcher. And you'll probably, if if you if you take the over, you'll probably hit it. So BetOnline has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. So visit the website today like I already have. Use your mobile device and join to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next tip-off, face-off, or pitch, head on to BetOnline and start playing today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Also, uh, a sport that you could probably bet on for a short amount of time. They're in the knockout stages right now. It's the Euro 2020. And I know what all of you are thinking. You're all thinking, what? I didn't come over here to hear about this soccer stuff. So uh, it's getting exciting in that Czech Republic game. Uh, the Czech Republic. I think they beat. I think they knocked out Spain. If I'm if I'm if I'm remembering that correctly. Um, anyway, uh, but the Germany England game was uh was pretty exciting yesterday. Er, yeah, yesterday, and uh, so I lots of things going on with the Euros. The Hawks, man, I, I just can't. You know, I, I know this is the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast, but I'm going to digress a little bit because. It's exciting when an Atlanta sports team, for those of you that are familiar with the Atlanta sports curse, it is exciting when an Atlanta sports team does well because, A, you're hoping that curse can snap because there's been so many championship opportunities for Atlanta sports teams and and really the only thing, the only time they were able to cash in was the Atlanta Braves in 1995. So you had all the Atlanta Braves World Series losses. They lost in every every which way you could. A Game 7 extra innings game against the Twins in 91, the worst of first year. You had uh, Joe Carter, who just went off in that series with the Blue Jays in 92, 93. Uh, you missed an opportunity against the Phillies in the, in the NLCS. Uh, 94 was a strike. 95, you actually won it. 96, uh, went six games with the Yankees back and forth. Blew a couple of leads. Actually took the first two in New York. Uh, then uh, made it again in 98 and got swept. So you ran the gamut of different ways you could lose a World Series. Atlanta Falcons, been to the Super Bowl twice since 1990. And... The first time they got absolutely obliterated. The second time, well, we all know 28 to 3, right? Tom Brady. So uh hoping that the Hawks tying up this series is a good sign. It's gonna go back to Milwaukee. Uh, so that's never a good thing, but hopefully Trey Young will be healthy. Uh I think he's day to day. He there's a there's a chance that he might play in game five. So hopefully the Hawks can uh can get the upper hand in the series, bring it back to Atlanta, finish it out, and go to the NBA Finals against, I think, the Suns. The Suns are playing tonight, so and I think they can clinch. So I'm I'm rooting for the Suns in the Western Conference, but if the Hawks win, uh, if the Hawks represent the Eastern Conference, it's over. But nonetheless, I'm super, super impressed with the Atlanta Hawks. Kevin Herter had a huge night. Clint Capella had a huge night, uh, was was a dominant force on the inside, kind of helped keep Giannis at bay for it, as much as anybody can. Uh, then you had uh, Lemon Pepper Lou. Shout out to Real Coach JB on that one. Uh, Lemon Pepper Lou, 
came in, filled in quite nicely for Trey Young. So uh, hats off to the Atlanta Hawks. Hopefully they can uh, hopefully they, take, they can take control of the series. But we are the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast, so uh, we're going to get to actual <laughs> we're going to get to actual Georgia news. Um, the David Pollock uh, Invitational or the the charity golf tournament that he hosts every year wasn't without some excitement. You know, there's a, there's a lot of information uh, to be had. Uh, there was a lot of Georgia players. Uh, Georgia was well represented. The current Georgia players, I should say, and coaches were well represented. One guy that was there, we'll talk about him here in a little bit. Uh, JT Daniels, uh, he was there. Uh, our guy, uh, guy we had on the show. If you if you want to hear what Trent Smallwood had had to say this time almost a year ago, uh, you can listen to that episode. Go back and. You got to dig deep into the archives for that one, uh, but uh, he we, we did some recruiting updates with Trent. I think it was back in July or maybe August of of last year. So it was it was kind of as we were getting started. So, uh, but he talked to JT Daniels, and uh, you know they they had a conversation. It was kind of an on the record, off the record type conversation. But a few of the biggest nuggets uh, from that um, from that conversation was uh, one Eric Gilbert. Uh, talked about the wide receiver slash tight end transfer, Eric Gilbert. He said he hadn't had a chance to throw to him a lot, but the guy's going to be a real deal. He was an, he was uh, he made the all academic team, or he's one of the academic players of the week uh, this week for uh, for Georgia football too. So hats off to Eric for getting his academics in the right order. Um, he, he was upset that George Pickens got hurt. He said he was going to be unreal this year before he was injured. Um, asked about if he had a chance of coming back since George Pickens uh, tore his ACL uh, back in the spring. Says doesn't expect him back unless it's for a national title game. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect to see George Pickens back in a Georgia uniform at all because he's going to be a top receiver in the NFL, I think, and he's going to get picked in the first first two rounds of the NFL draft. So I think he's going to try to strike while the iron's hot. So, and, and I don't blame him, but, uh, you know, he's, he's, you know, JT Daniels, uh, way more comfortable, uh, in the quarterback spot and, uh, coming into year two, as opposed to last year, he's had a full year under Todd Monken. He's had a full year in the system last year. It was kind of an off year. He was recovering from a knee. It was a pandemic year. So he didn't really get that face to face time with coach Monken that he, that he has been able to get since January of this year, since the season ended, uh, he had a full spring cycle. He's got guys now. He he's in that more of that leadership role. He is he is the guy at the quarterback spot. He's I mean he's always competing, but it's his job really. Whereas this time last year, it was unsure. Like at this time last year, we saw Jamie Newman. Then you had J T. Daniels in the mix, and you had Dewan Mathis and Stetson Bennett. Carson and Carson Beck. Now it's kind of like JT Daniels. And then who's going to be the backup? Is it going to be Carson Beck? Is it going to be Brock Vandegrift? Probably early in the year, if something happens to JT, probably going to go to Stetson Bennett over those over the two freshmen. But we're going to see how that plays out. That'll be that'll be a fun camp storyline to follow. So mark that down on your little notepad for fall camp to remind me. 
talk about the backup quarterback because that's going to be exciting. You know, Carson Beck, this is a, this is a big year for him. Uh, Brock Vandegriff coming in uh, as an early enrollee freshman with all the promise in the world. Uh, so that's going to be an interesting battle right then and there. But uh, the, the, the most glowing reviews came about Eric Gilbert. Uh, Jermaine Burton is going to be the man. Uh, they're saying he's probably going to be the one to step up in George Pickens' spot and, and kind of be that go-to guy when when they need it. And then, of course, uh, you know JT Daniels. A lot of his development is thanks to uh, offensive analyst Buster Faulkner working with him behind the scenes, probably film work, things like that, working hand in hand with Coach Monken and trying to develop JT Daniels into the cerebral cerebral quarterback that he is now uh, Buster was a former offensive coordinator at most recently at Southern Miss before he came on as an analyst last year and the biggest concern the biggest question was about that knee J, uh, JT says it's 100% healthy he has zero issues with it you could see at times uh, towards the t- you know when, when he did get in the game that he had some trouble driving into his knee on his throws but He's 100% healthy now, so you can uh, you can rest assured on that. So um, I'm excited. I'm excited about what this offense has to offer. Uh, Eric Gilbert uh, is, is somebody that's gonna that's gonna go off. Jermaine Burton is gonna be exciting to watch. So that was kind of the gist of that conversation right there. Um, so so summer updates in, in that regard. But uh, there was an interesting debate that I saw. It was JT Daniels. First, Emory Jones. And there was a list. And I was listening to my I was listening to a, a few podcasts because I, I, I do that. I go around uh I go around the podcast cycle and I listen to a bunch of different stuff. And a friend of mine who uh shout out to the Palmcast, I'm gonna go uh I'm gonna go actually be a part of the SEC After Dark show on his channel, uh, in addition to this, in addition to uh, illegal motion. That's going to be another show that I'm going to be featured on. But um, he was talking about the preseason pro football focus brought out their uh, preseason list um, of all SEC quarterbacks. And guess who was omitted from the list? They only did, they only did, I guess what four, I guess they only did four names. Um, but it, it was uh I, I didn't I didn't quite agree with this list. Um I, I thought Matt Corral being on that list was was legitimate. Um I, I did like that. I, I I do think Matt Corral is gonna be a really good quarterback for Ole Miss. I mean, look at what Lane Kiffin's able to do. It's it's outstanding. But um, you know, Emory Jones being number four on that list, of course, um is is somebody and, and the the omission of JT Daniels and and I I was I was trying to figure out and wrap my head around what does Emory Jones have that that JT Daniels doesn't like what what is it about JT Daniels that left him off this list and vice versa about you know about Emory Jones and I, I kept racking my brain I'm like well you know uh, the Emory Jones is they're going to have to struggle to find some production for him. Like I'm kind of on, I'm kind of on the mindset that he might not finish the season as the quarterback. Oh, and miles Brennan was on that list. And I, I was trying to, I was trying to 
I don't know what was going on with that, but I, I was trying to wrap my head around what what was going on with Miles Brennan. Like Miles Brennan's not even going to be the he's not even going to win the starting job coming out of camp. So I, I'm trying to figure out where this list was compiled, what stats they were using, what metrics they were using. Uh, I, I guess I could go on and, and and see, but you know when you look at Emory Jones and when you look at JT Daniels you can see immediately the differences. Like you look at JT Daniels, he commands the huddle. He commands the field. He's cerebral. He's got great anticipation. Not all of his deep balls were created equal. And a lot of that was due to recovering on a knee injury. Um, But if you look at his overall, uh, Pro Football Focus grade, he scored an 88.3. He had an 8.7% big throw, big time throw rate. Uh, he had 4.4% of his plays were turnover worthy, and his average depth of target was 12.7. Um, he had some big games. He had some big moments, made a lot of huge throws in crucial situations. And that was the that was the biggest thing that stood out to me, honestly, was you had a guy that when things got tough, it seemed like he got more poised. It seemed like he was able to hang in there and make the throws that needed to be made. He stood in there, he read the pocket, and he and he delivered the ball. And I'm trying to figure out what about that makes, you know, or what about Emory Jones's game makes it better than that? You know, just watch him, you know, and Emory Jones. 84.7 pro football focus grade, 6.6 big time throw rate. He had a better turnover worthy play rate than JT Daniels at 4%. And his average depth of target was 8.9. But, you know, I, I can see, you know, if you put Emory Jones in that Dan Mullen Mississippi State offense or that uh, Tebow Florida offense, which is really kind of the same thing. You know, then I think Emory becomes a more valuable player than he is if he tries to play that Kyle Trask type system where they're going to sling it all around the yard because Florida does not have anywhere near the weapons that they had last year. They had two, they had two first rounders catching passes with Kyle Pitts, Kadarius Tony. Uh, they had a lot of production that was lost in the bowl game, and you saw what happened there uh, against Oklahoma. So. I'm not saying Emory Jones is bad, but I'm saying like when you put him up against JT Daniels and they're playing the quarterback position, JT is just, you know, he's just, he's more poised. He delivers. He can, he's more accurate. That's what I think that was what I was trying to say. And it just seems like he's always around making big plays and, and, he made a lot of those for Georgia. Georgia's average points per game went up as soon as he got in the lineup. A lot more guys got involved in the offense when he when he was inserted in the lineup. The running game improved. It was miraculously, I guess you could say, or or not surprisingly. Um, but you know, the offense just became more dynamic as soon as JT Daniels stepped foot in there. And and he became comfortable with the guys. He understands some of the things he needs to do. The one thing I'll say about about JT is his pocket awareness as far as feeling the rush. I, I think sometimes 
there's some sacks that he took that were he probably could have gotten rid of the ball a lot sooner. I think he was trying to go through his reason. I think he was trying to find somewhere to go with the ball. The rush got to him. Maybe some of that was he wasn't used to the SEC speed. Some of it is that that's some things he had to improve from his time at USC was was pocket awareness and pocket movement and being more mobile inside the pocket. Um, and Emory Jones, of course, Emory Jones is, is, is a much better athlete and a much better runner than JT Daniels is. So I, I guess if you're comparing games, to me, it's like apples and oranges. Honestly, to me, it's apples and oranges because they're two, I think they're two different players. I think to, you know, if you're asking me would I rather have JT Daniels versus Emory Jones, I'd rather have JT Daniels five times till Sunday. And, and I would say that if he was playing for Arkansas or, or Ole Miss or, or whatever, I would still say that because I, I think everything that JT Daniels does gives you a better chance at being explosive more so than Emory Jones because Emory Jones is a great runner, not necessarily an accurate passer, not necessarily can do the things in the pass game that JT can do. And I think you got to have some balance. And Georgia has a well enough running game, and I think Florida could too, that they wouldn't need somebody like Emory Jones or a great runner at the quarterback position. They just need somebody to distribute. And with the RPOs evolving the way that they're evolving, it takes the quarterback run or the necessity of the quarterback as a runner out of it because they can still read and they can still be an option-based team. But now instead of the quarterback throwing, or um, excuse me, instead of the quarterback running, he's throwing, whether it be a, a flare, whether it be a slant behind a linebacker, whether it be a third level uh, with, when you're reading a safety. However however those these RPOs shake out, it brings another option. It brings another dimension to the offense. So, and I think JT Daniels is far superior in that in that realm than Emory Jones is because I think if Dan, I think if Dan Mullen tries to go the Kyle Trask route with Emory Jones, he's screwed. It's not going to happen. He's going to have to go like Nick Fitzgerald, early Dak Prescott, you know Chris Relf, you know the whole runner at quarterback uh, that can that can throw okay. Uh, and that's what they're going to have to do with Emory Jones. And Emory Jones is not going to have the weapons that Kyle Trask had. Uh, so it, it's going to be an adventure. I'm gonna, I, I can't wait to see it. But I just thought it, it stood out to me because Emory Jones hasn't really proved anything. It's all based on p- potential at this point. So I think if you're if if there's a debate that's brewing between these two, I don't think it's a debate at all. I think it's JT Daniels. I even think if you if you put him up against Matt Corral, I think it's Matt Corral. You know, I would take Ken Seals over Vanderbilt over Emory Jones, right? It called me crazy, but but I would. And, and that's not a knock on Emory Jones. That's just saying that there's some talented quarterbacks in this league that I would take over Emory Jones. Uh, you know, you look at the kid uh, over at South Carolina, Luke Doty. Maybe, yeah, probably not. That's, that might be a stretch, but I don't know. I would definitely take Max Johnson at LSU. Uh, I think he's I think he's pretty talented. I would take Bryce Young over at Alabama. Uh, Bo Nix even over Emory Jones, and, and as erratic as Bo Nix has been, I just don't put Emory as far as when you compare him to conference quarterbacks. I think he's in the bottom half, partly because of the limitations that he has, and mostly because there's a lot more talent at the quarterback position. So um, I just needed to get that one that one out there, that little debate out there. Um, 
I'm sure we'll have this. Uh, I, I, I really want to get Israel's take on this. I really kind of want to see what he thinks and what he sees on it as well. Um, you know, I, I think he's, you know, my prediction for Israel is he, it's going to be apples and oranges. So that, that's, that's my prediction. So, uh, recruiting, recruiting, right? It is June. So we have to, we have to talk a little recruiting. So, uh, one of the big one of the big stories, literally and figuratively, Bear Alexander decommitted uh, to go to uh, Texas A and M. I think that's where he's going to end up. Uh, but Nick Williams, I, I think Israel and I briefly touched on this, but uh, Nick Williams, who was hired away by Jimbo Fisher from Georgia, is a big big factor in a lot of these commitments and a lot of these uh, recruits and he has a huge huge impact on recruiting so i am uh you know that's one of those things where you're looking at and you're saying wow you know this is you know this is a problem this is a big deal but uh tyree west uh i think he was the first on the board for the 2022 class another big uh defensive tackle from from israel's neck of the woods troop uh from israel's neck of the woods tift county i almost said troop county like the county that was named after him, but you didn't know that Israel has a, a no, nah, I'm just kidding. Um, Troop County is not named after Israel, but, um, but don't tell anybody. Right. Uh, so a few recruiting, a few recruiting things to, to look out for uh, offensive tackle, Jacob hood uh, down to Miami and UGA. Jacob hood is from the Nashville area. Uh, we actually played against him. Um, he is a, uh, He's six foot nine, three hundred thirty pounds. Uh, plays at Hillsborough. Um, you know, I, I think UGA and Miami are on equal footing right now. Um, but you know, Matt Luke has, has got a history of sending players to the NFL. Uh, Matt Luke's a great recruiter. But when you look at Jacob Hood, I mean, the, he's, he's still relatively raw at the offensive line position. Um, a kid that I guess when you're that big and he's been this big for a while, like he's been this big for last three years and, and I'm sure he was, I'm sure he was never small. And so I, I think when you have kids this big, sometimes it takes a little bit longer to develop because they're not sure how to play into their body. I mean, it's, it's hard enough playing into a six, eight, 330 pound body. Like I have respect for some of these NBA players who play into their six foot seven, six foot eight, six ten, seven feet bodies. Uh, I have respect for them because that's a hard thing to do. Because if you're not used to that, if you're not used to moving around with all that height and all that weight and understanding your leverage, and you've probably been told all your life, don't hurt them, don't hurt them, don't hurt them, you know, and you're, you've probably been very, very cautious. He's still somebody that's that's developing. And I think he's going to be, you know, I think he's going to get into one of these college programs, whether it be UGA, Miami, or somebody else. If somebody else steps in down the road, he's going to get in one of these. He's he'll probably cut down to about three. They'll probably cut him down to about three ten, three oh five range, and they'll probably put some good muscle back on him, and and they'll increase his and get his feet feet a lot better, and his footwork will be a lot better. That kid's going to be special to watch. I, I think he's going to be a good one um, at the tackle position. He's somebody that I think if he comes to Georgia, he can sit for a year or two. He can really kind of develop because you got guys like Broderick Jones, Amarius Mims, uh, Xavier Truss, uh, Warren McClendon, those guys that are ahead of him. 
that are going to be the ones that are counted on to play and, and, and get most of the important snaps. So Jacob can really kind of come in and develop, which is what he needs to do because he's still got some, he's still got some growing, some developing uh, things to do. So uh, I'm, I'm excited about that. We'll keep an eye on this recruitment. Um, and uh, he's going to, you know, late August, early September, you know, that's about when he's probably thinking he's going to make his decision. So right now it's between EGA and Miami, and, and they're both kind of on even footing. Uh, Ja'Cory Thomas just got his commitment last week. He was an under-the-radar prospect. He is from Boone High School in Orlando. I was trying to think of a Citrus Bowl location um, that it, for one of my examples that I gave, but Boone High School would have been somewhere that they could play the Citrus Bowl. But anyway... Um, you know, he, he was, uh, he had great film, uh, really loved this kid. He's versatile. He's a safety six one one ninety five. You know, you're starting to see some of these bigger, bigger, more physical safeties, but, um, you know, I, I think what did it for him was, uh, Will Muschamp, you know, former, former head coach at Florida, former head coach at South Carolina, former head coach, our former defensive coordinator, um, at Texas, Auburn, LSU, all over the place. Uh, he was, uh, he was enamored with him during the workout. You know, he said, um, you know, he, he liked it that he immediately got an offer. Like he, he was one of those that like people don't understand how the camp circuit works. And so he was one of those, like he was kind of under the radar and you come in, you have a good workout. You never know. Like I tell my kids this all the time, go to camps, have a good workout. If they like you, they'll pull you out. And in this situation, they pulled him out and they said, Hey, Jacory, you got an offer. And so, and, and if you could, it's a committable offer. And so they, they offered him about eight days later, they got the commitment and here we go. But um, you know, Jacory is somebody that, again, um, I, I just really kind of like his overall athleticism at the safety position. Uh, I, I kind of like the way he plays the game. He's physical. Uh, he flies around. And, and he seems like he's one of those leaders uh, on, on the field. Seems like somebody that can kind of step into that, eventually step into that Richard LeCount role where he's kind of moving guys around in the defensive backfield, uh, things like that. So I, I'm very excited about what Coach Adai and Coach Coach Muschamp have done uh, with this one. Uh, then you're looking at uh, Ty Simpson from uh, Westview, Tennessee. His dad is actually the head coach at uh, University of Tennessee, Martin. Um, so right now he's committed to Alabama. Um, but, uh, you know, they had a real good shot at him. Um, they, you know, and, and this is still, um, uh, this is still one of those that's, I don't know. It's, it's kind of still in play. I, to be honest, I, I don't know that Ty Simpson ends up at Alabama, right? Um, I, I don't know that he ends up at Alabama. I don't know that he ends up at Georgia either. Cause you got Gunnar Stockton sitting right there, but, uh, it's one of those that it's going to be interesting to kind of see where he ends up as far as conference wise. But, you know, Georgia had a real shot. There was some lack of communication early in the process. I think when you, when you're in a tight race, those type of things really do make a difference. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm kind of curious to see where this one ends up. That this one's kind of on my radar. Then you have bear Alexander. Uh, he was back in Athens for a visit. Um, he's still undecided. He's really a A&M lean at this point, uh, but nobody really knows. Like, you know, nowadays kids decommit all the time, right? 
and especially the kids that did most of their recruiting trips and recruiting visits during COVID, during the dead period. Like all they're seeing is virtual visits and stuff on TV and they're having Zoom calls with these coaches. Now they finally step foot on campus and they realize there's a whole new world out there, right? So so Bear Alexander steps into you know College Station at AM and is like enamored with what's going on, which it's no surprise. He's going to walk into every SEC campus and feel like that. Like he's going to go to LSU and understand that, hey, they have freaking beds is, is at their lockers. So this is one of those that's going to go down to the wire. Um, he's still a big target. Gunnar Stockton is still working on him. There was video of him on social media hanging out with Gunnar Stockton at the lake uh, during his time in Athens. Um, so this ain't done, right? Um, this ain't done. He was at he was at Bam over the weekend. Then he then he met up with uh, Gunnar Stockton, hung out on the lake. Um, didn't make it over to Georgia, but you have to believe that you know it's going to be one of those is personal relationship with potential teammates going to take precedent, or is this whole situation being close to home going to closer to home? I should say going to you know. Is that going to win out of the end uh, and lead him to AM? Does does UT, the real UT, Texas, have a chance at him with Coach Sark? Do they have a shot? I don't really think so. I think it's AM and Georgia. Uh, I think it's a battle between those two at this point for for Bear Alexander. Um if you had to if you had to press me for a decision, I would say AM is leading that charge. I would say if he committed, if he had to sign today, it would be AM. But let's wait until December, early signing period. It's going to be a close one. It's going to be one to watch. But this goal, this whole thing with Gunnar Stockton, he ain't going to let it go. Like, Gunnar is really working hard for Georgia, and he ain't going to let it go. So, Keithan, Bear Alexander, or Bear Alexander, stay tuned. From He's from Brewer High School. He's from Fort Worth, Texas. Stay tuned. This one's going to be a tight one. All right, then you're looking at uh, Travis Shaw, another defensive tackle. Uh, he's from North Carolina. He just uh, he's in the mix with uh, UNC. Honestly, I think he's going to end up there. Um, he's he's a North Carolina kid. He's from Greensboro, so ultimately, I, I think this is an uphill battle. Uh, Mac Brown does really well in state. North Carolina has a lot to offer. They're an up and coming program. They're Jordan Brand sponsored. Uh, I don't know some guy named Michael Jordan went there, um, but Mac Brown has been he, he's got some sort of edge that I didn't think he had since he since he unretired from from the university at, you know after coaching at Texas where I, I think he kind of lost his mojo but he somehow got it like he like he came back out of retirement stepped into the ACC I think is going to be this year I think is going to be right there neck and neck with Clemson it's, it's one of the top teams in the ACC I think they're going to give Clemson a big time push this year so don't be surprised if, if the if the Tar Heels start making noise. Now they could finish dead last, and I'm, I'm going to come back on here at the end of the season and and, and eat my crow. But they're in a, they're in great shape with Travis Shaw. Um, they're in great shape with a lot of prospects, and they do really well in the state of North Carolina. So I think this one, if I had to forecast it, I think it's going to the Tar Heels. Um, it's going to be tough to upset them. I think Georgia's going to put up a fight. But it's between UGA and 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 
North Carolina. I think those are the top two teams. I think Georgia finishes a very close second to UNC. I think Mac Brown wins out on this one. Um, Shalik Knotts, uh, also from Monroe, uh, North Carolina. He's also a North Carolina kid. I do think, I do think Georgia is going to end up in this one. Cortez Hankton has has built an excellent relationship with him. Um, he was at the five star challenge. Did showed out was one of the big time players there. Um, and it's really a Georgia Maryland battle. So I, I think if you're looking at programs, Maryland's got an uphill climb here uh, and, and don't count out UNC either. I, I think there's somebody that could, that could sneak in there. They do really well uh, in the state of North Carolina, as I just mentioned, but I, I think this is a Georgia, Georgia all the way. Uh, you know, he's a six two, one ninety 190 pound receiver, uh, electric, and uh, I think Cortez Hankton really likes him. Um, this one is going to be, it's going to be interesting. But I think Georgia wins out in the in the end. So I'm, I'm saying Shalik Nasa, Georgia, uh, Trayon Webb. Um, I don't know. It could go either way. Uh, I, I think uh, Oklahoma's a big time mix uh, in it, and I think they're the team to beat for the Jacksonville uh, athlete Trayon Webb. He was one that I thought if he could. If Georgia could land him, he was somebody that could play a bunch of different spots. But he's a class of 2023, so this this one's far from over. But I think it's it's going to be the Sooners if if it were forced to a decision. So, um, also uh, Branson Robinson from from Mississippi, running back, top running back, five star. I think it's all Georgia for for him, and I think it's somebody that's going to be. Uh, that's going to be highly regarded. Uh, and I think he's going to be the next big UGA running back. So uh, to, to wrap up this recruiting segment, uh, there's some potential commitments in, in, in July. Got to keep your eyes on it. Branson Robinson is actually one of them. Um, Georgia's the leader. I think they will be the leader. Uh, Alabama's going to be tough to beat because, of course, they're Alabama. Uh, but he's making a decision at the end of July, which I'll consider it this month, um, at the end of July. So, but I, I think it's going to be Georgia. I think it's going to be Georgia for Branson Robinson because he sees the lineage of running backs and he sees that he can go to Georgia, he can show out, get drafted early, and not have a lot of tread worn off his tires. So, I'm I'm uh, I'm, I'm all in for for Georgia for Branson Robinson, uh, Kojo Antwi. Um, he has a top five Georgia, Bama, Ohio State, USC, and Texas A and M. Um, he's visited all five schools. He's got a commitment date set for next week, July 5th. Um, if I am uh, predicting this one, I think he's going to be the second receiver on the board uh, for Georgia. He's from, he's a uh, Swanee. He's a Gwinnett County kid, Lambert, uh, Lambert high school. I, I, I think he's Georgia. Um, he's going to join denial on more set uh, as, as a commitment there. Um, Oscar Delp, tight end. Uh, he's going to be the next great tight end. He really enjoyed his visit to Athens. Uh, this would be uh, a big, big get for Todd Hartley. Uh, it, it would be the, you know, it'd be the next one in the line. Uh, Darnell Washington, Brock Bowers. Uh, I guess if you count Eric Gilbert, uh, but the tight end recruiting is going to be. Uh, this is this is going to be an interesting one. I this is one that I have no idea where he's going to go. There's a lot of different places he could go. He's from Forsyth County in Georgia, so you have to think that the in-state school is going to get is going to get the commitment. But don't 
there, there's some there's some there's some guys already on campus uh, that could deter him. I don't know. He might have a chance to play early somewhere else. He might end up at Alabama. He might end up at LSU. But I, you know, I, I think Georgia. I think Georgia leads for this one. Um, then you look at Danny Dennis Sutton. Um, his recruitment's been back and forth. Uh, you got Georgia, Penn State. Uh, those are the two main schools, and this is all uh, this is all based on UJSports.com. I'm a former rivals guy, so I lean heavily on, on my guys at, at UJ Sports. I love them: uh, Roddy Nabulsi, da- uh, Anthony Dasher, Dane Young, Trent Smallwood, uh, Blaine Gill. They all do a tremendous job. That whole staff. Uh, the 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 in depth stuff that they give is is absolutely outstanding, and that's an unofficial official plug uh, for UJ Sports. They didn't tell me to say that; I'm saying it. Um, but Dennis Sutton's recruitment it's been back and forth. Um, he doesn't have a firm uh, commitment date. I don't think he knows where he wants to go. Um, but uh, yeah, the Bulldogs they you know he, he's a Maryland kid, so he's kind of right there in in the middle. He could go either way. You know, he had a great visit with Georgia, but I'm sure he had a great visit with Penn State too. Uh, James Franklin would love to get this guy. He's a he's an he's an edge rusher, uh, defensive end, 6'5", 253, kind of that Adam Anderson mold, extremely athletic, long edge guy. Uh, I think he would fit perfectly in Georgia's defense. Dan Lanning has a knack for that, so be on the lookout for that one. Uh, I, I think Georgia's going to be there. Uh, Tyler Booker, um, he was in. Georgia earlier in June, he visited Florida, Oregon, Ohio State, and Bama. The IMG, he's from IMG Academy. Um, who knows? Um, I, I think honestly, and I was when we were talking to Blaine a few weeks ago. Uh, to to be honest with to be honest with you, I think Florida's the team to beat in this one. Uh, Florida has a little bit more desperate need for offensive linemen. I think he, I think he really enjoyed uh, with Coach John Hevesy. Uh, the the Florida trip, I, I I think he fit. I mean, obviously he fits in well in any offense, but I think he fits in well with with the with the Florida Gators. And so, um, keep your eye on this one. Um, he could he doesn't have a commit date set just yet, but that could come very soon. Um, while he's wrapping his head around it, I don't think Oregon is in the mix really. Um, and I. I'd be surprised if he ended up at Ohio State. I think it's Florida, Georgia, and maybe Bama. But I think it's a Florida-Georgia battle, and I think Florida's got the edge in this one as of right now. But you never know. Things could change. Things change rapidly. These are teenagers. so. Um, but those are your recruiting updates, right? Those are some commitments to watch. Of course, Arch Manning uh, is, is, is a big one uh, as well. So um, keep your eye out on that. That's your recruiting. So, um, again, I'm, uh, you know this thing, this whole thing is going to be going to be very very exciting coming down the stretch. So, um, you know, again, uh, Eric Gilbert, um, looking at Eric Gilbert, right? Uh, so, uh, part of the David Pollock Invitational, I, I guess I guess that's the official name for it, right? Uh, part of the uh, part of the tournament and part of the stuff that was revealed was. Not surprising. I mean, there's nothing earth-shattering, so I'll be real quick with this. Um, Eric Gilbert entered the transfer portal way back, I think, in February. Maybe, yeah, February. Entered the transfer portal right before the second signing day. Comes out, right? Not happy at LSU. Then 
he steps in. He looks at Georgia, Florida, and Clemson. Visited all of them. Ended up choosing Florida first. Re, re after about a month, got right back in the portal, and ended up at Georgia. And a lot of it was centered around academics. I think a lot of it was that he wasn't going to be eligible at Florida. Uh, they weren't sure, uh, but some things came through. And I think ultimately he would have been eligible at Florida had they had he stuck around because I, I think they they had to do some digging on his transcripts to figure out what his eligibility was. Did he take enough classes? Did he have enough credits? All of that good stuff. But I, I think it's uh, you know it's just one of those things where right place, right time. Kirby never burnt the bridge, uh, but but the real the real key to getting him, and I think the the thing he was looking at the most is he wanted to be recruited as a receiver, not a tight end. And Kirby Smart, Cortez Hankton, they made it clear he's going to be an X receiver, and the X receiver is the George Pickens role, right? And I think this is a bit of a stretch, but they're comparing him to Calvin Johnson, which I don't know about all that, but um, that's quite a lofty comparison. He's Calvin Johnson's surefire Hall of Famer at receiver. Eric Gilbert barely completed his freshman season. So um, I would say pump the brakes on that, but I, I do think he's going to be really, really good. Um, and, I think that was the biggest thing. And I know it's not earth shattering. It's like, well, really, you know, I, I, I kind of tuned in for all of that, but you know, they, you know, the Gilbert family, they felt that it was in his best interest because I, I think what they saw with Kyle Pitts and the changing of the tight end spot. And, and I really want to talk to Israel about this as well, about the changing of the tight end position and, and how, what a traditional tight end looks like, but you're going to see more of the Eric Gilbert's more of the Kyle Pitts type tight ends where, I guess if you need them to, they can put their hand down. But for the most part, they're going to be wide receivers, slot receivers, guys that are counted on heavily in the passing game, guys that used to be counted on in in blocking schemes are now being accounted for in the RPO game. With RPOs getting more and more creative, they're going to use these guys more not to block defensive ends or linebackers, but to get in these zones behind them, whether it's in the middle, whether it's on the flat, whether it's running a post, whether whatever the route may be, that's how they're going to factor in the run game nowadays, I think. And, and you look at somebody like Kyron Heath, who just committed to Ole Miss. He's another one of these Eric Gilbert molds of he's really just a big receiver that he said, okay, from a high school, I'll put my hand down. But you know, you're starting to kind of see an evolution of the tight end position. And that's a topic that we can really kind of get into. And I would love to get uh, I, w- I would love to get Israel's take on that. I would love to get Jake's take on that as far as uh, the evolution of the tight end position. And I'm going to write that down. So evolution of the tight end. So uh, I'm going to put that one for later too. But I, I thought it was interesting that it just kind of confirmed, reading this article kind of confirmed what I already thought of of Eric Gilbert. So there you go, right? That's... uh. That's nothing new. Um, congratulations to the Academic Players of the Week. Eric Gilbert is one of those. This is <laughs> this is what we call in the business a transition. Uh, Eric Gilbert, uh, Nazir Stackhouse, and uh, freshman Kwame 
last or Kamari Laster, uh, excuse me. Uh, they do an offense, defense, and freshman academic players of the week uh, at Georgia. Uh, so congratulations to them. Uh, they're getting it done in the uh, in the summer sessions. So um, I guess Eric Gilbert got serious on his uh, on his academics. Also, Sean Kinney, uh, Georgia's pitching coach, signed a three year extension with the program. Uh, excited about that. Um, his name has popped up at uh, different places, LSU and Texas A and M, to be, uh, I guess, to be specific. Um, but he is, uh, you know, he's led the charge as far as the pitching staff. The the, the Georgia's pitchers held opponents to a two twenty six batting average and total five hundred and seventy strikeouts. Both of these mark, both of those marks rank second best in program history. So that's his career. Uh, at Georgia, his tenure at Georgia. So that's pretty dang impressive if you ask me. Um, also, uh, President Jer Moorhead, uh, UGA President Jer Moorhead, will begin a two-year term as the president of the SEC's executive committee starting now or July 1st. So uh, that's that's pretty exciting. Uh, Georgia gets a voice there. Uh, he's going to begin his two-year term. I, I guess they rotate through with uh, university presidents, but it's, it is his turn now. So uh, I'm excited to hear that. Uh, that's some exciting news as well. And uh, Jenna Stady is returning. I don't know if you saw that. Um, a little old women's basketball news, but Jenna Stady is coming back for, for another year uh, for the, the, the Lady Dogs. So um, that those are your recruiting updates. So, uh, and those are just some general updates as well. And, uh, that's how we got Eric Gilbert. We said, Hey, come play wide receiver. Um, again, I uh, just want to remind you if you're listening, uh, however you're listening, we, we appreciate it. Uh, follow us at believe in dogs. You can see it on the scroll right down here. Uh, you can follow Israel at Troopstar 28. Tell him you missed him tonight. Um, and you can also follow me at coach Burton 36 on Twitter. You can follow, uh, also my Instagram at Burton.Corey. Uh, so find us, find us on social media, find us on, uh, you can also find this podcast, uh, right here on Brinks TV on our YouTube channel. Or if you prefer to listen, uh, Apple podcast, Spotify, Google play, uh, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeart, all those different places uh, where you can find Believe Podcast. Uh, that's where we reside. So if you prefer the audio version of us and you don't want to see this face and this awesome backdrop and um, and Israel, uh, head on over there. We will be uh, also on anywhere you can find your podcast, but we're really going to make our living here uh, on Brinks TV. And I'm excited to, uh, to, to jump into it. So uh, one of the things that one of our goals for this summer um, is to preview, do a season preview for every Georgia opponent. We're going to call this series Scouting the Opponent. Uh, we're going to have various guests on from these representing these different schools. Um, but I wanted to start with UAB because, quite frankly, I'm not really tapped into the UAB market. And uh, I, I figure once we kind of get closer to that, game we can maybe find somebody and preview that specific game and, and just kind of see how UAB season outlook is in in conference USA so um, I'm gonna take this over today um, but we're gonna have uh, I, I talked to Kyle Sutherland of hog talk uh, a, a fellow believer uh, he's gonna join us here in the near future he's gonna preview 
the Arkansas Razorbacks. We're going to have uh, Vinny Hardy of the Believe in Kentucky podcast um, to come on and, and preview the game co- or not the Gamecocks, the the, the Wildcats, uh, Big Blue Nation. Um, gonna gonna work on getting somebody from South Carolina. I'm looking at Chris Clark from Gamecock Central uh, for that. If anyone knows anyone that represents Missouri and would love to come on the show, by all means, send them this way. I uh, would love to have them. But then um, the same with Florida, which I think I have a good lead on Florida. Uh, I have a guy, I have somebody for Clemson. Uh, so I'm, I'm I'm excited about our series that's coming up, and, and of course we're going to try to work hard to get you the 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 latest and greatest guest as well uh, to also help bring you all of the content. If if you miss any of our shows, go back and check them out. We are we are on YouTube now. We've had we've had two episodes with with Brinks. We've had another additional two episodes uh, prior to joining Brinks to kind of get us warmed up for what is now. Uh, the, the the big leagues, I guess. So I, I kind of wanted to get warmed up for the video platform before we started with Brinks. So we actually have two episodes um, prior to that. The first one was kind of a disaster uh, with my microphone. So if you need a good laugh, please uh, please go check that out. And um, we had Chris Chris Burnett on last week. So if you if you missed that and want to hear from him, he was a uh, he was an offensive lineman here, played with Israel. Uh, they overlapped. They didn't play simultaneously, but they overlapped a little bit. Um, he played guard. Uh, he was on those uh, two SEC East champion teams in eleven and twelve. Uh, that uh, in twelve that almost went to the national championship. So uh, that was a very very good show. You should check that out. It's on all the podcatchers as well as this YouTube channel uh, brought to you by Brinks TV and our wonderful people at Brinks TV that gave us this awesome, awesome virtual set. The rundown over here to my, actually, be over here, right? Be over there, the the rundown. So, uh, and the graphics down below, uh, all of this is really, really, really awesome. So we, we, think, we thank our people, especially Courtney um, at Brinks TV. So a uh, big shout out to, to Courtney. Um, but let's get to it. Scouting the opponent. So uh, you're looking at the UAB Blazers, University of Alabama at Birmingham. Uh, head coach Bill Clark is entering his sixth year. Here's a tale of the tape. He is 40 and 22. He was six and three in a COVID shortened year last year. Um, got a big time returning. Uh, he got a lot of returning starters, 15 to be exact. He's got seven on offense, nine on defense. Uh, for a team that finished as conference champions two seasons ago. Uh, 2019 Conference USA champions. This team is going to be tough. Like when you look at the non-conference and you look at the G5 games, you have some of those that are circled wins. And for Georgia, every G5 team should be a circled win. But there's always a but with some of these teams. UAB is one of those teams that right now you better bring it because they will upset you, right? Tennessee, I think two years ago, did the same thing with Georgia State. Said, ah, you know what? It's Georgia State. We don't really have to. And, and Georgia State kicked their butt. And Georgia State's a G5 team. It can happen, folks. So we can't, you know. And UAB is a great program. Bill Clark was considered heavily for the Auburn job. I don't know what happened in that whole, whole deal. But he was considered for the Auburn job. And... He probably could have had it if he really wanted it, but I think he's enjoying his time at UAB, so he didn't. Um, some players to watch, uh, quarterback Bryson Lucero, quarterback Tyler Johnson. There's a battle there um, at the quarterback spot, so two guys that are that are going to uh, contribute. Tight end Hayden Pittman. 
Then you have uh, you know Demarcus Moultrie, cornerback uh, TD Marshall, and the strong safety Christopher Mole, right? And uh, you know they were seven years ago. You know when you look at this program and where they were seven years ago. Seven years ago, they were dead. You know they they had to shut down. Um, but they they were able to resume. But um, again, as I mentioned, the, the the biggest key for this team is they have 15 returning starters. Um, quarterbacks Bryson Lucero and Tyler Johnson share duties. Um, Lucero had 969 yards and seven touchdowns. Uh, Johnson had 843 and seven touchdowns. Um, the the biggest hole they have to fill offensively is the receiving spots. They lost some big time production there. Uh, they lost an all they lost second team all Kusa selection. Uh, they also lost a running back who rushed for over 4,000 yards in his career. Uh, so they got some they got a little bit of production they have to re- they have to replace. But the biggest thing is is they have all five starting offensive linemen. Um, Returning the five starters on the offensive line—that's huge, if you ask me. Uh, and then that's going to be something that you cannot discount. If you have your entire offensive line returning, the continuity that goes with that position, the communication that has to happen with that position—that's extremely important uh, for for UAB. So I think that's a huge, huge deal. Um, defensively, they lose Jordan Smith. He declared early for the NFL draft, along with Bronte Harris, who was also a second-team All Kusa pick. Um, they have returning talent. They had first team all Kusa linebacker Chris Christoph, uh, Christopher Mole, second team all time all Kusa ch- uh, selection, Bryce, uh, defensive lineman Tyree Turner, Tony Fair, um, and they got a lot of talent up front. Uh, they what they do well is they stop the run, and uh, you know they can play well. They play well in the back end too. They have a they have a very stingy defense, a defense that flies around that makes plays. But they're really really tough up front. And I would say that that's they're probably their their biggest uh, asset is the uh is playing the line of scrimmage especially with the defensive line um i'm really i'm really uh when you when you look at this team i'm really impressed what they bring to the table i am uh i'm enamored with all the talent they have in the, in the defensive front and i, I think it's going to be uh i think it's going to be something that um I think that's going to be something that's going to be a, a big time deal for them. So uh, I, I'm I'm excited to uh, I'm excited to see what they what they have. But Bill Clark uh, again has done a tremendous tremendous job coaching, and I, I think you cannot discount that at all. And if you do, man, you are uh, you, you're you're asking for trouble here. So. Um, you know, one of the things also um, you look at, you know, the quarterback position, you know, you have, <laughs> you know what they say, right? They say, if you have two quarterbacks, you really have none. And I, I think it's one of those, it's a unique situation because you have two, you have two quarterbacks, right? And you have two guys that actually they produced, right? You had Tyler Johnson. And you had Bryson Lucero, right? Um, both throwing for almost a thousand yards. They had a lot of production. They were six and three. Um, so I'm 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 excited to uh, I'm, I'm excited to to see what what's what's happening there. Um, you know, do they take that next step? Do they settle on one guy? Is it going to be situational, kind of what Spurrier did? 
Who knows, right? Um, that that'll be something to watch. That'll be something to watch as they probably on September 11th roll into Athens. So, um, but uh, you know, you you look at Chris Chris or uh, Bill Clark, I should say, um, and his biggest thing is is getting this program back on track, getting a program that's really really confident in, in what they're doing. And when you look at G5 programs, the the successful ones are very confident. The ones that are in bowl games year in and year out, they're the ones that are confident in themselves. They're the ones that they have an identity. They have something that, that they do and they do it really well. So, um, you know, he, you know, I, I think when you look at it and you look at the hiatus that this program went on for two years, you look at kind of how he built this roster. It's, it's, it's really, really fascinating, right? how he was able to get them on track so quickly. He had a, he had a bunch of Juco players. Um, he, he raided Mississippi. Um, he had the transfer portal, a lot of power five athletes looking for a new start. Some of the guys that stuck around honored their scholarships and, and really kind of made uh, a group of guys that needed that jolt in their career really kind of found him something to to believe in. Great coach. It was fascinating just kind of how quickly he did it. He had a vision, and he executed that vision. Um, so I, I'm, I'm excited there. I, I think it's something that's exciting. I think it's for, for this. If you're if you're a fan of G5 football, if you're a fan of, of, of CUSA, if you're a UAB alum, or if you are in the Birmingham area, there's some good football to watch. And so he's done a really good job with their facilities. He's done a really good job recruiting. He's done a really good job of having this program at a level to where they're extremely, extremely competitive. So, um, but as, as we get back to the way this team is constructed, right? If, if you were to ask me, and they have 15 returning starters, as, as I previously mentioned, nine on defense, seven on offense. If you're asking me what their, what their strengths are, with nine returning starters, it better be that defense, right? You have a top 10 unit past three seasons. They lose only two starters from a season ago. Uh, Jordan Smith, who was a fourth rounder from the Jaguars, and Bronte Harris, who signed with the Rams uh, as a free agent. You lose those two guys, right? It's tough to replace, but you have depth up front. You have a group that knows each other, communication, just as important as it is on the offensive line in the defensive front, where you're talking about linebackers and you're talking about defensive linemen, that communication, that trust, that execution has got to be there. And if it's not, that's where you get gaps. That's where you get gashed. Now, to say that Georgia's not going to hang a 50 spot on them, I, I don't know. Georgia's loaded. They're gonna, Georgia has the potential to hang a 50 spot on a lot of people. So, um, where's the biggest concern? Offensive playmakers, obviously. Uh, we, we said that just a, just a moments ago, but here's some here's some facts. They lost 55 percent of its receiving production with the graduation of Austin Watkins, who got picked up by the 49ers, and Myron Mitchell, who got picked up by the Vikings. So, you're looking for producers in the passing. You have two quarterbacks that can deliver the mail. But you're looking for some some producers. So Trey Shropshire, Samario Rudolph are, are two guys that are going to be called on early and often, probably. Um, Rudolph was uh, he was huge in the game against Rice. Uh, he clinched the third straight Cusa Western Division title with his 
touchdown catch against Rice. Uh, Shropshire had a uh, had a game against Marshall in the title game. Um, it's you know, it, it's one of those things where you have guys that have potential. So you have Rudolph Shropshire, you have Ryan Davis, he's a former top JUCO receiver. Raleigh Johnson Sanders, they're expected to also compete and get in there. So you're going to see all of those guys making plays at some point. Uh, they also lost Spencer Brown, their leading rusher. Um, but then again, you have Dwayne McBride, who I think he was a true freshman last year. I don't think I know. He was a true freshman last year. He was second on the team in rushing yards. He's going to be the guy that's going to step in. He's a big-time home run threat. He had a 71-yard touchdown against Western. And he had a 75-yard touchdown against Louisiana Texas. 71 and 75-yard touchdowns. That's those are things he's capable of, and those are the kind of home run things that they need to be able to uh, be able to, or they're going to need to be able to win the conference as they've gotten so used to. So, um, you know, you have of course uh, five things to consider. You know, who steps in and replaces Spencer Brown? Well. That, of course, is going to be Dwayne McBride, but you also have Jermaine Brown, Lucia Stanley, and Larry Wooden. Those guys will also get some carries as well. You have Lee Witherspoon, transfer from Mississippi State, who um, he figured out that Mike Leach doesn't run the ball that much, so he said, hey, let me come on over. Uh, which quarterback? Who's going to win the starting job? Is it going to be Lucero? Is it going to be Tyler Johnston? Are they both going to play? What's going to happen? So when you look at UAB, are you going to see one quarterback? Are you going to see two? Are you going to see Lucero? Are you going to see Johnston? What's that going going to look like? They need to figure that out because I think ultimately if they're going to compete again for the CUSA championship, they're going to need that. All right, we talked about the receiver position. Who's going to, you know, there's a theme here, offensive production. Who's going to contribute on offense, right? Um, are on the defensive end, they were extremely well and giving up explosive pass plays. They were just on 1.96% of snaps. That was ninth best in all of FBS. They have all that talent returning in, on, on the back end of it. Can they continue that? I think they do. And can they repeat as Conference USA champions? Again, they were 6-3. and three. They won the conference. They won the division. They won the conference. Can they repeat? They're hopeful. They've got a lot of production to, to fill offensively, but they've got a defense that's going to give them a chance. Right? UAB is opening a brand new stadium. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be downtown, so no more Legion Field. Um, they have they have nine nine returning stars on defense. They've got some. They've got twelve seniors that took advantage of the one time waiver rule, so they're coming back. So they've got some talent there. They've got some guys that have produced just not on a big enough or consistent enough level uh, offensively to warrant like them being on the players to watch. But there, there's going to be some some things there. I'm I'm really looking forward to Trey Shropshire. Uh, I'm really kind of looking forward to seeing what he can bring to the table. I think he's going to be the guy. I think he's going to be, when you look at UAB at the end of the season and they're hoisting up that CUSA championship, I think he's going to be the guy that's gonna that you're going to look at. So you look at their schedule. They they lead off the, the season with Jacksonville State. Of course, they come between the hedges on September 11th. The big game on the road at North Texas. They're at Tulane, which is always tough. Home against Liberty. Home against FAU. At Southern Miss. Home against Rice. Home against Louisiana Tech. At Marshall. At Tennessee. At Texas San Antonio. At home to end the season against UTEP. Uh, so I'm I'm uh this uh, this is a schedule that's going to be tough. I mean, Conference USA is tough. You have you have Liberty, 
You have Tulane, who's always a tough out. North Texas, you never know with them. Southern Miss is the team that's on the rise. Florida Atlantic is up and down. Rice is is what they are. But Louisiana Tech and Marshall, uh, they're they're two teams that can really, really kind of get you. And so, um, especially Louisiana Tech in the West, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, but they get them at home. So that's going to be, that's going to be exciting. But um, there you go. There you have it. There is, that's the University of Alabama, Birmingham, the UAB Blazers, 2020 Conference USA champions. Can they repeat? Can they find their production on the offensive side of the ball? What are they going to do September 11th between the hedges? But that's what they're going to look like when they come, when they come to Athens, when they come rolling in Athens. So are they going to have a starting quarterback? I think it's going to be Lucero if you had to, if you had to press me. So, um, but that's uh, that's some exciting news. That's scouting the opponent. We're going to do that with some guests uh, later on in the in the summer. So be be excited for that. Uh, also, want to uh, mention we are also brought to you by uh, Moink Box. Um, it is uh, you know it, Moink was founded. Uh, the Moink meat is so delicious. Something that I can pair with my Traeger. I'm gonna get some some stories here in a little bit. But Moink was founded by an eighth generation farmer who was featured on Shark Tank. Host Kevin O'Leary said it's the best bacon he's ever tasted, and you know what? He's right. And Jamie Simoff, the creator of the Ring video doorbell, he also invested in Moink. He has a great product in Ring. Why would he invest in Moink? Because he believes in it. So why do just four companies control 80 percent of the U.S. meat industry? Because big food crushes the little guy. And you can help change that with moinkbox.com. Why are 97% of chickens saved in the U.S. dipped in chlorine? These are all questions that need to be asked. Simple, because big food doesn't have the same quality standards as the family farm. That's why you need moinkbox.com. It's the best bacon, the best steak, the best chicken, the best salmon you'll ever eat. Won't come from a grocery store. You'll only find it on the family farm and caught by independent Alaskan fishermen. That's why you need moinkbox.com. If you own a smoker, if you own a trigger, that's why you need moinkbox.com. Right? And if you really want to, you can go on YouTube and you can look up, probably you can look up this clip of Shark Tank. You can go to the archives, find the actual episode, and watch it. Who doesn't love bacon, right? So join the movement today. Go to moinkbox.com slash believe. That's B-L-E-A-V right now. And the listeners to this show get free bacon for a year with every box ordered. Again, that's moinkbox.com slash believe again right now. The listeners to the show get free bacon for a year with every box ordered. Tell me that's not a great deal. That's one year of the best bacon you'll ever test, but for a limited off, but for a limited time, right? So, again, that's M-O-I-N-K box.com slash believe, B-L-E-A-V. That's moinkbox.com slash believe. Go there. Get your meat, right? And if you're listening to this, uh, you know, this would be a great partnership. Moinkbox and then Traeger, right? I have a Traeger. I'm going to get on Moink Box because I, I do believe in what, they, what they're what they offering. Um, so let's have a little Traeger talk. And Traeger's not paying me to say this. They should. So Traeger, if you're listening, you should. Um, I have some of the stuff that I, you know, that I've enjoyed. Uh, there's an app that goes with Traeger. And that's, that's one of the things that, that that's, that's been awesome is having that app for the recipes. And, 
I, I've enjoyed it. The the one of one of my favorite things that I've ever cooked on there was brisket. Uh, I cooked, a, I cooked, I felt like the perfect brisket the other day. I had some friends over, my friend from Believe in Vanderbilt podcast. Uh, he came over. We had some great brisket. I've smoked salmon. I've smoked uh, sea bass. Um, I've done uh, ribs on several occasions, brisket, I've done steaks, I've done chicken, chicken wings, chicken breast, chicken thighs, uh, chicken drumsticks, like the big drumsticks, you know. Uh, chicken legs, I guess. Um, I've done done all kind of things, right? And I'm gonna get continue to get more adventurous on on it as as I go. I've done corn on the cob. I'm gonna start making like dips and and things like that. Like I saw a recipe for buffalo chicken dip. I want to do a full bird. So, uh, you know, Traeger. I know it says Traeger talk, uh, and, and I know I, I probably have some stories, but man, I've been on here over an hour. So, um, I'm gonna wrap this thing up. Right. So if you want to see some of my Traeger stuff, I'm going to post, I'm going to post pictures on, on social media. I'm going to get my meat from, I'm going to get my meat from moinkbox.com. Again, we are the, uh, this is the Believe in Georgia Docs podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. However you found us, I appreciate it. Continue, like, share, subscribe, do all of the above. Brinks TV is the place to find us. Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, tune in. Anywhere you can find the Believe Podcast Network, you can find us, uh, Israel and I. Uh, but Israel's been on dad duty. Hopefully, uh, hopefully he has uh, survived. He's probably worn out. He's probably zoinked out. So we're going to get some stories for him uh, the next time we see you. But again, this is the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Also, uh, you can see the video for, uh, form of it on Brinks TV, uh, the home of not only this podcast, but the Believe in Steelers podcast and also the uh, LAFB podcast, uh, to, to name a few. There's, I'm sure there's countless others that are that are joining the the fund here on Brinks TV. But again, uh, we are presented by BetOnline.ag. We thank you for listening. Have a great Fourth of July. Don't eat too many hot dogs and hamburgers, or do. Uh, enjoy your holiday responsibly. Enjoy the fireworks, and we'll see you back here next week on the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast presented by Bet Online. So long, see you later, and of course, go dogs. We out. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.